Amen, indeed. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. Lord, um, we're excited because of the gospel. We're excited that this battle is already won as we sing and proclaim, Father, that there is now no more condemnation for the believer. Father, we are so grateful for your love and for your mercy uh, that you have extended to us um, your grace, Lord, through your son Christ and his work on the cross and, and his righteousness that brings us life. Um, and so we are thankful for that, Lord. Uh, we pray this morning um, that your word would go out and you would um, move in the hearts of every single person uh, in this room this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, Mercy Hill West. Uh, for those of you who are new here, um, this year we are preaching uh, through the book of Romans, um, and so we are going to be continuing on with that today. For those of you who are not new, um, welcome back. Um, we are going to also be in the book of Romans uh, in the chapter 8, and so let's just jump right into it. Last week, uh, Brother Matt brought us uh, Romans, the first eight chapter or eight verses of the eighth chapter, and today we're going to start in verse 9, and we're going to go to verse 14. Um, so if you want to follow along, it goes like this. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, Although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Verse 12, So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Let's pray one more time. Father, we thank you so much for this section of Scripture. Um, Lord, we thank you uh, that... We are yours, and that your spirit is now dwelling in us as believers. And just pray, Father, again, that you would lead uh, this sermon and the rest of this service. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so in the year 1995, uh, the movie Braveheart was released. Has anybody here seen the movie Braveheart? That's great. Uh, I have not, in fact, ever seen the movie Braveheart. Um, I have, however, seen the great clip 
that William Wallace gives his final speech of uh, motivation to, the Scot- to his, uh, his countrymen uh, before going into battle. I don't know the outcome. However, I do know what that speech sounds like and what it looks like. Um, and the reason I tell you this is because this motivational speech that William Wallace uses to empower his fellow Scotsmen um, is very much sort of what we are looking at today in Romans. And that as we study sort of this section, we get this motivational feeling from Paul that he's motivating us to do something. He's encouraging us. If you recall in in the movie Braveheart, or at least in this 10 minute clip, He starts off with his introduction that he's William Wallace and so on, and there's some disbelief. But then, once he's gotten them to believe he's William Wallace, he asks them, he poses this question that, you know, you come to me as free men today, will you fight as free men? And then, unfortunately, if you don't know, he hears this resounding sort of anticlimactic response, which is, no, we're going to run and we're going to live. And then this is where he somehow encourages them to fight is that he tells them you know you may die today if we fight run and you may live for a while at least and then he says in your dying beds or in your beds dying many years from now would you be willing to trade all of those days from this day to that for one chance and one chance alone to come back here and tell your enemies that they may take our lives but they'll never take our freedom And then everybody was like, yeah, let's go. And they fight the Scots. And I don't know what happens after that because the clip ends. But I tell you this because one of the things, there are are things that are common in every motivational speech. So any film that you watch or any book that you read that has a motivational speech, there are going to be some similarities and what this passage today is, shares some of those similarities, is Paul's uh, motivation or his encouragement to us today is to submit to the Spirit of the Lord. Now, as you go along and you hear and you think about other motivational speeches, one of the things that you notice is that it's always personal. He always looks everybody, and there can be thousands of people, but it seems like he's looking every single one of them in the eyes right? It always comes at a time of desperation, where there's this time of we're not going to make it, is when oftentimes these speeches come up. There's always going to be a reminder of the amount of work or what, what is true in these situations of these people. We're always going to draw on some sort of intangible, right? So uh, in the case of Braveheart, freedom, right? It can be your pride or your love or whatever it is that is happening in that moment. They always paint this picture of victory. And then, this is my favorite part because it it's always seems mildly nonsensical. But they always give this level of assurance that no matter how hard you fight, no matter, as long as you leave it all out there, whatever it says on the scoreboard or whatever happens in the end doesn't matter because you're a winner because you gave it all you had which is neither here nor there but we get that same type of feeling when we read this passage 
right? Because one of the things that's, that's so important that here that Paul starts off with is he starts with this personal address, you. Now, there are times, like in Galatians, where Paul is talking about this battle between the flesh and the spirit, and he keeps it mildly vague, right? Is that there's this battle that happens. But in the passage today, and what he's doing in Romans, is he's addressing you, the believer, saying that you are not in the flesh, but you are in the spirit. And he's also going to expand on sort of this um, awe-inspiring, or the awe-inspiring power of the gospel. Right? It's one of the things that we don't talk about, I think, as much, is that when we actually look at the gospel and what the Spirit actually means, that it is dwelling in us, that it has made its home within us. And it's that same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. We don't think about how awe-inspiring or supernatural that is. It's one of those things that Paul, and it's, it's this motivation for us right? It is this motivation. It is this like, you want to run through a brick wall type of thing after you read this passage. And so, um, one of the things today that we have to talk about, and this is our first point, is that there is life in the Spirit. Um, Or life in the Spirit brings life, we could say. Mildly redundant, but it is also very true. We start in verse 9, it says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of flesh, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who uh, who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. I take you back to verse 8 real quick. Because verse 8 is, a very, is very connected to verse 9 when it says, Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Brothers and sisters, it is very clear here that apart from the Spirit of God dwelling within you, there is nothing that you can do on your own to please God. Apart from the flesh, or apart from the spirit, excuse me, we are dead. We are dead in our trespasses, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But apart from the spirit, there is nothing that the individual can do to, be, to please God. Because what is pleasing to God is only that which is righteous. And we cannot be righteous apart from the spirit of God. Why aren't we in the flesh anymore? As believers, the question, why aren't we in the flesh anymore? Because we're in the Spirit. Because in that moment when you were justified in your salvation and you put your faith in Christ alone, that Spirit of Christ became, came into you. It dwelt in us. And we were justified and it brought back to life, or brought to life, excuse me, our spirits. You see, Paul, at, up to this point, there's just a little bit of coverage here. Back in Romans 5, Paul made it very clear. We were born into Adam and a sinful nature. In Romans 1, he made it very clear as to what human nature looks like uh, apart from the Spirit of God or left to its own degeneracy. In Romans 7, he's made sure that the flesh 
um, is made sure that we know that the flesh cannot uphold the requirements of the law. In Romans 5, he makes clear that salvation is by faith alone, in Christ alone. And then now, in Romans 8, he makes clear excuse me, that we are under the law of the Spirit and no longer under the law of Moses, that now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You see, the Spirit of God is in those who are justified. I want to take you real briefly to Ephesians 2. Excuse me. Uh, Verse 22. It says, In Him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You see, the Spirit of God is dwelling within us. It is not just this place of like a motel. We are now being dwelt in long-term, forever, by the Holy Spirit. It is the same Spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead that now is in us. And the Spirit brings us life. You ask then, how does the Spirit bring life? I would take you to verse 10 when it says this. But it says, says, but if Christ is in you, although the body is dead uh, because of sin, the Spirit of life, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. You see, it is the righteousness of Christ's sacrifice being imputed onto us, given to us graciously in God's mercy has brought life to a dead spirit. Where we were once dead, we are now alive. We are alive and we are free to live according to God. To be led by the Spirit, now we are free to do that. Where it was once a dead spirit, there has now been, there has brought life. And that is through Christ. My wife, Jill, is not like a full-on plant lady, but like we're, we're on the way. And she has a green thumb, I think is the nicer way, is a better way to say it. And last year she bought three ferns and she hung them up on our porch. And last year we had these three beautiful ferns that were hanging on our porch. And then it got cold and I don't know where they went because I'm not... I don't care. And the, this spring, however, she pulled out some, the same three ferns, except now they were like not good looking. They were brown and looked dead pretty well. But because of her ability to nurture plants, ferns specifically here, we now have what looks to be like a living fern again. Now, I realize there's a breakdown in this sort of uh, comparison in that her ferns were, I don't believe, dead, but I believe dying, and where we are dead in our trespasses, or we are dead in our sin. It's the same exact thing. Where we were once dead, Christ's Spirit has now brought us life. It is Christ's righteousness. It all comes back to Christ and what He has done for us on the cross. And Him being the perfect and righteous sacrifice. 
that now we are able to live. This is why if we go back to John, excuse me, uh, John 15, this is why Jesus said this, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear, bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. It's the same picture. It's a different picture, same language. Our life comes from Christ. When we are abiding in Him, He brings our spirit life. Just like a branch cannot live unless it's connected to the vine intimately, so we cannot produce life if we are not abiding in the vine from, of Christ. We are to remain in prayer. We are to be in His Word. We are to be in biblical community so that we may produce fruit that is pleasing to God. See, apart from Christ, we cannot do that. It is only when we are abiding in Him that we can produce the fruit that is pleasing to God. It is that fruit that comes as a byproduct of abiding, being led by the Spirit. We are free from the fear of death, and we are free to obey Christ. Because we know that our spirit will live forever with Him. Now, what is often good news for one group is often bad news for another. And Paul talks about this, how life in the flesh will lead to death. The second part of verse 9, it says, Anyone who does not have the Spirit of God does not belong to Him. And then back down in 12, it says, So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Excuse me. This is a warning to all of those who have not yet put your faith in Christ that are not yet being led by the Spirit, that are not yet abiding in Him. It can only lead to death. As humans, our nature is to follow. And as Paul has made it clear, up until this point in Romans and other many places in, his, in, his, in the epistles, that there are two sort of spirits fighting within the Christian. We have not annihilated our flesh, which means it still exists within us. That flesh, the desires of the flesh, will always exist on this side of heaven. Because it has not been annihilated. But as Paul wrote in Romans 6, it's not to reign in our bodies. Right? We are to be led by the Spirit. And so we are going to always serve one of those two spirits within us. We will either serve the flesh or we will either serve the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, service of the flesh or to the flesh leads to destruction. Why is our spirit dead? Because it is not righteous. 
Because it's not our righteousness that brings us to life. Again, it is Christ that is our righteousness. He has placed upon us His righteousness. It is His Spirit that is now in us that has brought us life where we were once dead. Again, nothing in this flesh is permanent. I know we like to hold on to things and we like to have nice earthly things and that's, it is what it is. But our money, our status, our jobs, nothing. To pursue those and to serve those masters will only lead to destruction because those are not permanent. The only thing that is eternal or that is permanent that will last forever is the Spirit of God and Christ's Spirit that is in us. I take you back to the story of the rich young ruler. And he came to Christ and he told him all the things and the laws that he's kept. And Christ said, that's, all, that's great. Now go sell all of your things and come follow me. And the rich young ruler walked away sad. Do we know, remember why he walked away? Do you know, I think just, if we think a little bit about that story. This guy was pretty convinced he had it figured out. I can have all of these things and follow all the right steps. But Christ knew in his heart who he was serving, and he called him out on it. And he said, sell all of your things and come and follow me. And he chose not to follow the Spirit. He chose to serve his flesh over Christ. If we do not have the Spirit of God dwelling within us, then we are not his. It's that simple. In 2 Thessalonians 1, Excuse me. Starting in verse, uh, I believe, 6. It says, Since God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you, and to grant relief to you uh, who are afflicted as well as to us, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glorious might, of His might. Excuse me. And when He comes on that day to be glorified in His saints and to be marveled among all who have believed because of our testimony to you was believed to this uh, to end, to this end, we always pray for you. Brothers and sisters, if you have not put your faith in Christ alone, the plea this morning is that you do not, no wait, that you do that, excuse me, and avoid eternal destruction away from Christ. If you are not led by the Spirit, as Paul writes here, and you are not his. We're going to sin. If we haven't already this morning, you will this afternoon. And you will do it again tomorrow, and you will do it the next day. 
We will quench the Spirit. But sin is to not reign in our bodies. It's going to happen, and we're going to seek forgiveness, and we're going to repent. But it has nothing to do with your eternal salvation when you are led by the Spirit. You know, one of the things uh, that's very frustrating about current society is this idea of postmodern thinking. And postmodern th- thought is that there is no true absolute. It's essentially this idea of um, subjective truth or like there's gray area. There's always room for gray. Um, you know, if it's true for you, then that makes it true. And it's very frustrating because if there's no absolute truth, then everybody's just kind of gray. And this is absolute truth, brothers and sisters. It is very good news for the believer and it is very bad news for the non-believer. You know, Rene Descartes, the French philosopher, said, I think, therefore I am. I think today we could sort of, we've made it a little different, but in a similar way. In this idea of, if it feels good, therefore I do. Society has convinced us all that the most important person in your life is the person that you see when you look in the mirror. And that if that person wants or desires or needs anything, regardless of what it is, that it is owed to that person. It's just unfortunate that's not the truth. The truth is, if we are going to submit to the flesh, it will lead to death. But, brothers and sisters, there's always good news. You see, the Spirit is the one that is to lead us. We are to submit to that Spirit. And the longer that we submit to the Spirit of Christ, the greater our assurance of our salvation. Now, I want to be very clear here in the beginning When we talk about assurance, I'm not talking about because I'm producing fruit, it's making me any more righteous. I just want to be very clear. There's absolutely nothing that we do to make ourselves righteous or to increase our righteousness. Our lives are producing fruit, and the more fruit that we are producing the greater confidence we can have or assurance that we have that we are in Christ and He is in us. So when we talk about assurance, that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about this thought that, well, if I don't continue to do good things to assure my own righteousness, then I can't be sure that I'm going to be with Christ in the end. That's not what this is. Paul says at the end of the second half of verse 13, he says, But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God 
are sons of God. But if by the Spirit, you see, one of the things that is happening here that Paul is talking about is, again, sanctification. Sanctification is this process of the Spirit ministering to us and us being made holy. Sanctification is this synergistic property or, or process, if you will. It is us being led by the Spirit, which means we have some responsibility of things to do. But the Spirit is ministering to us as it is making us more holy. Where our justification, meaning our legal standing in our salvation, in Christ is monergistic, which means we had absolutely nothing to do with that other than we put our faith in Christ and He then made us righteous. He then gave us life. He brings us life every day. And so it is the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, or being in Christ, however you want to say it, that is helping us be made holy every day through sanctification. I take you back to Romans 6 again. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make it obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments of un, for unrighteousness. Excuse me. Again, sin, our flesh, is not who we are following. It is not, not that we don't sin. We do sin. But it is not reigning in our bodies. It does not have uh, dominion over our bodies. Yes, we are going to sin, and that's unfortunate. It's not till the end, when we reach our glorification, that we will be with Christ, free from sin. But on our own, we cannot please God. It is the power of God that helps us. It is His grace and His mercy that allows us to be sanctified, that is helping us be sanctified. You see, there's, uh, I don't know how controversial this is, um, so this may be the last time you see me up here, but... Our salvation has very little to do with us. It has everything to do with the power of God. It has everything to do with Him saving us, making us legally in the right standing with God. But then it is also Him who has sent His Spirit to minister to us to be made holy. I remind you of the thesis of this entire epistle. Back in Romans 1 it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. You see, it is the power of God to save us, 
There's no other way to put it. Our job, excuse me, is to be fully and utterly and wholly dependent upon him. Because we are in, all, in every process of our salvation, we are dependent upon him for justification, for sanctification. We are dependent upon him and his grace and his mercy. And then in glorification, when he raises our mortal bodies. So then what is our role? If it's all about him, then what do we do? We submit. Our role is to submit to the Holy Spirit. If we want to produce fruit from the vine that is Christ, we must submit to Him. We must let the Holy Spirit lead every aspect of our lives. As our length or time of submission to the Spirit grows or continues, so will our assurance that He is in us and we are in Him. When we submit to the Spirit, we can feel at peace with that submission because we can be assured that the fruit we are producing is that of Christ. Uh, my son, Oliver, who was here, is here but not here, can be assured every morning when he's able to notice himself in the mirror that he is my son because minus the mustache, he looks pretty well like me. And everybody around him will be assured that he is my son because whenever there's an authoritative figure that tells him what to do and he does the opposite, they will be assured, and so will he, that he is my son. I say that because, brothers and sisters, the longer we are submitted to the Spirit, the more fruit that we are going to produce. And the more fruit that we can produce, or that is produced in us, as a result of the Spirit ministering to us, and our obedience to it, the more assured that we can be that He is ours and we are His. Submission implies humility. We must die to the flesh daily and live in the Spirit of Christ. If we can do this, brothers and sisters, again, the peace that comes with the assurance of knowing that I haven't done anything but obey and submit. But we know that the Spirit is in us, and if we believe what the Word of God says in us, then we know that we are His. Ephesians 1.13 says, In Him you also, when you heard the Word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of your inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory.
The Spirit of God is our guarantee. Now, I understand, again, we are going to sin and quench the Spirit. And the enemy will use that, or attempt to use that, to make you question what is true. And I know sometimes we don't always feel so greatly about our assurance. Because the enemy will poke at it. Because we continue to sin. And this is the importance of making sure that we are in the Word and that we are in prayer and in Christian community so that we can continue to be assured even if we don't feel like it. We can know what is true. So in closing, um, excuse me, the question that I was going to wait till the end, but I'm going to ask it now, is will you submit to the Spirit? Or will you submit to the flesh? I know sometimes uh, in the Christian life, it can often feel stagnant uh, in terms of feeling like we're not being used or we're not producing fruit or we're unsure of our salvation. Trust me, or maybe that's just my experience, but I understand that, what that feels like. Brothers and sisters, we are to continue to seek the face of the Lord. Even when it feels like that, we must press on, continue to submit daily to the Lord and seek His face. For the non-believer, my plea is that you run from your pride and submit to Christ. Eternity is a very long time. And eternity apart from Christ is even longer. Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. If you have not put your faith in Christ this morning, my plea is that you do. If you need people to talk to, I know Matt is back there. There are people here to talk to. But please, do not wait anymore. Anthony, you can come up. Uh, 
I want to read in closing Colossians 3. It says this uh, in verse 15. It says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Brothers and sisters, uh, to close, I want to tell you all something um, that I feel like we don't hear it enough as believers. And so um, I just want to tell you all that Jesus loves you. He loves you so much. And I want you all to know that. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. Again, we are grateful for your word, your promise, and your awe-inspiring gospel. Lord, may your spirit leave today, change the hearts, change the lives of us. Make us holy. Help us to submit to your spirit. Father, may we humble ourselves before you. In your name we pray. Amen.